How we doing, everybody? We good? We good? Hey, I just want to take a minute and want to welcome everybody who is watching online right now. Online, we love you. Come on, everybody. Can we just welcome everybody who's watching online? And uh, thank you for being here today. Uh, what a beautiful day. And uh, it's just so, so much to celebrate right now in, in the life of our church. We had the sisters in the house on Thursday night. And it was fire. It was so much fun. And uh, 26 decisions, as Jen mentioned, for Christ, which is just absolutely incredible. And guys, that takes us up over 300 since we moved in. Don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. I'm going to give you the official number. Since we moved into our building, 342 people have made decisions for Christ right here in the auditorium. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So, so thank you. Thank you so much for partnering with us. Thank you for believing, for praying, uh, for giving, for being a part of the Forward Campaign. Uh, just so thankful for our church leaning in and seeing God do amazing things. And so to have all of this stuff happening in the middle of the summer is just really, really supernatural. It's just, it's just God. And God's good and uh, he does good. Can I get an Amen. Uh, yeah, pumped, pumped, and thankful that you're here today. Uh, we're continuing our series that we've called God Is. And we're taking time, we're looking at the names of God. Throughout the Bible, you have these names that are given to God. And it's usually by people who have an interaction with God. So they have this moment with God. God does something for, their, for them and in their life. And they look at God, they're like, God, you're like this. And they describe an aspect of his nature or an aspect of his character. And like every time we, we learn another name of God, we get another aspect of his nature. And so this is really, really important because when you know who God is, you know what you have available to you. When you know who God is, you, you know who, who this whole thing is all about and, and all for and, and who's controlling and who's leading it. When you know who God is, it changes every aspect of your life. It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you give. It changes the way you interact with your spouse and with your neighbors. When you know who God is, it is the most important thing about you. And so we've been looking at these names. And if you're just joining us, I really want to encourage you to go online because this series has been really, really helpful uh, because we're talking about we're talking about God, and we're talking about how God is a father. We've talked about how God is our righteousness and what that means for us. We get access to God, and we've talked about how, how God is our peace. Last week, we talked about how God is our shepherd, and uh, we're looking at all of these different aspects of the names of God, and it's helping us grow closer to the Lord. So if you missed those, go online, summitparkchurch.com, and you can catch up. But today we're going to be talking about a real significant name, an important name. It's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. God is a God who heals. And healing is something that all of us need. All of us need healing. In fact, it usually starts early for us when we're, when we're small kids and we realize how important healing is, especially during summertime, running around, scraping our knees. Rolling our ankles. How, you know, how many of you have kids that they already have some scraped knees? Come on, just raise your hand. Like, but all my kids are all marked up, grass stains everywhere. Just, they look like we've been in a war zone, you know? And just, no, they've just been outside. And, um, but my little one last week, she's four, and uh, she hurt her knee. Everybody say, aw. She hurt her knee. really sad. Now, the boys, I would get sad when they got hurt. I would, like, care for them by saying, suck it up. That's how I would care for them, all right? Come to Father's Day next week. It's going to be awesome. Um, 
No, not just kidding. I did care about my kids, but it's different with the girls. You know what I'm saying? Parents, dads of girls, it's just different. Like when the girls get hurt, it's just like, it's like, oh no, what? I will stop the world for you right now. What can we do to make this better? And, um, and so my, my, my girl, she, she is, uh, she's four and she, I, I can tell she bumped her knee. It wasn't bleeding, but she was convinced that she needed a Band-Aid, right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Whatever's wrong, Band-Aid's gonna fix it. And they will scream bloody murder until you put a Band-Aid on their knee even though there is no blood. And so that's what happened the other day. Uh, she was like, I could tell it's swelling up and I was like, okay, let me get some ice. She's like, oh no, not ice. Like, no, ice is gonna help it. Ice is gonna make you feel better. No, 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 I need a Band-Aid. Very dramatic, this little one. And so, so I'm like, I, I bring her the Band-Aid, you know, and then put a little ice on top of the Band-Aid because I know what she needs. And it's interesting because I think what happens for a lot of us is even as we get older, we still, we still try to put Band-Aids on deeper wounds. Come on, somebody. We still bring inadequate resources to the needs that we have. And, and what I want to talk about today is that God is a God that heals. And when he heals, he heals completely. And he heals us inside. And he heals us outside. And it's who he is. He is the Lord who heals you. Exodus chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be for most of the morning. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 15. This is where God, a lot of the names of God, as we've noticed, they're where people look at God and say God is like this. But this one is where God reveals himself. And he says, I am the Lord who heals you. And here's what's something that's really important as we begin this conversation about healing. Healing isn't something God does. It's who he is. It's who he is. So we're, t- we're tapping into his nature. This isn't just something that he will do. It's the essence of his character. He is a healer. Exodus 15 says, I am the Lord who heals you. Now, when you look at the Bible, you see this. God will heal people. He will show up and he will do healings in people's lives. Genesis chapter 20 was one of the first places we see it where Abraham prays for Abimelech and his wife and maids, and they were all healed. The psalmist will talk about how God is a God who heals, how he cried out to the Lord and he heals them, how he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. So in the Old Testament, you have this. But then when Jesus shows up in the New Testament, I mean, he definitely defines this, right? When Jesus, when Jesus gets ready to do his ministry, when he gets ready to start his ministry, actually, he goes to the synagogue, which this would have been a normal thing for a rabbi to do. And he, and he, and he, and he grabs a scroll, someone hands him a scroll, and he begins reading this scroll. And, and he reads something from the Old Testament. So this would have been done a lot, but he reads it And he does something very interesting at the end. And I love this verse, but he says, The Spirit is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this verse is talking about a Messiah who everybody in the Old Testament is looking forward to. Everybody's looking forward to this Messiah who's going to show up and actually fulfill a lot of these prophecies. 
So Jesus reads this in Isaiah, then he rolls up the scroll, he hands it back to the attendant, Luke tells us, and then he says this, this is fulfilled today in your hearing. He's like, it's here. That reality, bringing sight to the blind, setting people free, transforming, binding up people's uh, wounds, and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus shows up, he says, healing is here, healing is now. And he brings, he brings this reality of, of the power of God on display. So you see this in Jesus' ministry, right? He, he's, he'll take people who are blind and he'll let them see. He'll take people who are lame and he'll help them to walk again. He'll, he'll take some people that are dead and he'll bring them back to life. He raises from the dead himself. So there, there's this reality that God is a God that has miraculous power. And when Jesus sends his disciples out, he sends them out with authority to do the same. And so the New Testament, when you read Acts, it's full of miracles. In fact, there's one time where, where Peter's walking and just his shadow heals people. So this is amazing. This is a new era. It's where God has opened up heaven and he's bringing healing to earth. And we are living in that era. We live in that era today where healing is available. Exodus chapter 15 is where it all begins, where God says, he reveals himself and he says, I am a healer. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at Exodus chapter 15. I want to give us the context and then we're going we're gonna to look at a few verses. So let me give you the context for Exodus chapter 15. Uh, this, is, this is where Israel has just been delivered from captivity in Egypt, okay? You guys remember Old Testament Sunday school? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, whoa, whoa, let your people go. You guys remember that? All right, some of you were doing it. I saw it. Uh, all right, I saw you do it. Um, and, and that's Moses. That's Moses is going to Pharaoh saying, let God's people go. And, and what happens is Pharaoh doesn't let the people go. So God brings these plagues, terrible plagues, frogs and gnats and flies and boils and all kinds, and ultimately culminating in, in the death of the firstborn of all of Egypt. And, and it's bad for the Egyptians, but it's powerful for the Israelites. Because they're like, that's how much God loves us. And that's how much God wants us to be free. So God delivers the people and sends them on uh, their way to the promised land. But they don't get there right away. They, have to, they go to this Red Sea. All right, it's the Red Sea. And it's like, all right, God, what do you have? And the, now we're just looking at this water. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes his mind, starts chasing him. So now you have Pharaoh behind them and you have the Red Sea in front of them. How many of you ever find yourself in a situation where either way you look, it's bad options? And what's interesting about this situation is God has led them there. God has led them there. It's like, God, do you want us to drown or do you want us to die by the hands of the Egyptians? Either way, it's not good. What's interesting is sometimes God will bring you to a place where there is no good option but him. That's what some, sometimes God will bring us to a place where there is no good option. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It means he's just ready to do something great for us. It doesn't mean that God is giving up on you. It just means that God is setting you up for something amazing, for a miracle. And that's where the Israelites find themselves. But Exodus chapter 14, <laughs> they don't believe it. They're not full of faith. Let's look at this, Exodus chapter 14. They said to Moses, 
Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? Now, here's what's interesting. Like, a lot of times when we read scripture, we'll just read it. But you need to, like, put the inflection, I think, that that was actually there in that moment. This is, this is like your four-year-old who wants a snack. All right, literally, that's what this is. You need to put that, like, it's like, it sounds a little bit, I think it sounded a little bit more like this. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt? Then you brought it out to the desert and I... Anybody have kids that add that little extra? It's like, oh, whatever. Just please, just God, just heal them in Jesus' name. Do whatever it takes. That's what's happening. And he says, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It'd be better us to serve the Egyptians to die in this desert. They were in slavery. Isn't it amazing how quickly we want to get back to our bondage? Am I talking to anybody today? Isn't it amazing how like God takes you out of something and you're free? And you're like, wait, actually, I want to go back to that. That's the Egyptians. Or that's, the, that's the Israelites right now. But Moses is, in, Moses is amazing. He believes. He says, he answers the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring on you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Come on, turn to someone next to you and say, be still. Doesn't that just feel good? Doesn't that feel good to hear? Be still. Because the Lord is going to fight for you. It's, it's amazing. I just want to take a moment and point out how in this little interaction, we find two ways to approach impossible situation. We, we see freaking out, that's one option, and then we see faithing up. Faithing up. I didn't think that was a word, faithing up. I didn't think faithing was a word, but then I was typing it, and word didn't autocorrect me. <laughs> so I was like, maybe it is. So then I looked it up. Faithing is a word. Turns out it's a word. I know, crazy, right? And it, it literally means the practice of a faith. And here's what's interesting. Moses is practicing his faith. He's faithing up while the people are freaking out. You and I are going to have impossible situations where there is no good option. The question is, will you freak out or will you faith up? And, and Moses is, is, he is faithing up. And so... Of course, you guys know the story, right? You've seen the cartoons? You've seen the movies? Moses takes his staff, mountain of water on either side, right? And there's like dolphins and stuff swimming in it. <laughs> Maybe. And the people walk through as on dry ground. It's not even like they're like walking through the, you know, the muck that should be there, even if water has just been removed. They walk through on, as on dry ground. This is amazing. Like, this is incredible. This is unbelievable. Not only that, but once they get to the other side, they look back, and here comes Pharaoh's army. They're chasing him. And they look back, and then and, and, and God just brings the water and drowns all of Pharaoh's army. 
Like every single one. Can you imagine like being there and watching that and like being one of the Israelites and getting across and you've got your kids and you're like, you look back, you're like, oh my goodness, kids, look, this is amazing. God has provided for us. And then people are drowning. You're like, kids, don't look. <laughs> you're like, no, kids, I want you to see this. This is crazy. This doesn't happen. This is a miracle. God is with us. And you would think that it would require a praise break. It'd be worthy of a praise break. And that's actually what happens at the beginning of Exodus chapter 15, the first several verses. They have this song, and it says, like, uh, some of the girls grab tambourines, and they start dancing, and they're singing, and they're praising, and they're worshiping God. They're like, God is amazing. This is incredible. And you would think that if you experience something like that, something amazing, where not only did God take you out of Egypt and bring all of these plagues on the Egyptians— but now walked you through a sea as on dry ground, you would have to think you would never doubt God again. You would have to think you'd be so full of faith, you'd, you'd be good for years and years and years. And you'd always look back and be like, man, I've seen God do amazing things. You would have to think that your attitude would be great at least for a year. <laughs> they last three days. <laughs> three days. Exodus 15 it's the same chapter. They have this amazing praise time. And then three days later, God takes them to a test. He gave them a water lesson by parting the Red Sea, and now he's taking them to a water test. Watch this in Exodus chapter 15. If you're ready to jump in, say I am. Yeah. All right. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and he's leading about two to three million people, a lot of scholars believe. So this is a lot of people. And they went into the desert of Shur. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. Now, three days is a long time without water, right? Now, they probably, they had supplies. So, but their supplies are probably running low. So things are starting to get stressful. They're like, hey, you know, we are running low on this deal. We need, we need some, we need some supplies. Now, I'm no I'm no, like, expert in leading masses of people, uh, but I do take family vacations every now and then. And I do know this. I won't go, I won't go on a three-hour trip anywhere without a barrage of snacks. Because I have three kids, and I know the way to keep the peace is just keep feeding them sugar. Come on, somebody. You just, I, terrible parenting. I know. Sometimes they're healthy. Pretzels are in there, I'm sure. Combos. That's a great go-to. But you got to have snacks. You got to have snacks on a trip. Now here's Moses, and he's leading two to three million people, and he doesn't have snacks. It's bad leadership, Moses. If I would have been in charge, we would have had combos. But he doesn't have water. Supplies are getting low. And then they see this, they see this, uh, this, these lakes, this water up in the front. And so like three days without water is a long time. They're, they need water. So they see this area of water and they just start, they get so excited. Can you imagine if like your supplies are getting low and you see this, like, you know, some of the, so probably some of the little kids start running, you know, some of the, uh, you know, teenagers, they're like, oh, I can get there faster, you know, and they, and they get there and they see this water and they, they jump in, you know, I mean, or maybe it's like as, as they're running, it's like slow-mo and they're like, 
And then they, they get there and they dive in and they start swimming, they're splashing it all, and they take a big drink of it and it's salt water. Have you ever drank salt water? Have you ever been in the ocean and like you're, you're playing and it's like, oh man, it's so great. And then up your nose or in your mouth and you're just like, oh, and you spit it out. It's like horrible, right? It's undrinkable. That's what happens to the Israelites. Verse 23, when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. It was, it was salt water. How disappointing. Have you ever been like so excited about something like, oh, this is going to be it. And then you get there, you're like, and then that. It's extra disappointing, right? Have you ever been extra disappointed? That's the Israelites. So watch this, verse 24. So the people grumbled. Everybody say grumbled. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird how grumbled actually sounds grumbly? Hey, come on, let's try that again. Everybody say grumbled. grumbled. Isn't that amazing? I thought this was pretty fun. So the people grumbled, what are we to drink? That word grumbled is the word loon in Hebrew, and it means to tarry or lodge or spend the night. It kind of surprised me when I looked it up. I didn't expect it to be to tarry, to lodge, to spend the night. I expected it to be like, kind of be like cantankerous, you know, to be disgruntled. That's what I expected to find when I looked up grumbled, but I found to lodge, to tarry, to spend the night. And it's almost like the people are saying this. I'm not going to step further, Moses. Not until you fix this problem. Anybody had a situation like that? Where someone says, I'm done. Anybody been married? <laughs> like that's, like this, that's what's happening. It's like, I'm not going, nope, we're fixing this right here, right now. And what does Moses do? Now, what would you do? What would you do? Would you prove yourself right? Would you get desperate? Would you get angry back at them? I'm trying to do my best, people. I'm just following God. What would you do? Moses does what we should do. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. Let me just say, this is always the first thing we should do when we find ourselves in a bitter situation. We should cry out to the Lord. You find yourself in a, in a leadership role where things are, are not going well. You find yourself in a parenting situation. You find yourself in a marriage where things are not going well. The first thing we should do is what Moses does. We should not do what the people do because grumbling doesn't make it any better. But crying out to the Lord does. That's a good place for an amen. And so what's interesting is that God speaks. Moses cries out and God speaks. This is incredible. And Moses gets the plan from God. And the plan is this brilliant plan. It's something that no one's ever thought of, but, but God has this strategic way of making this bitter water better. He says, take a piece of wood and throw it in the water. Now, this doesn't make any sense, people. I, I mean, I guess if it was a sugar maple. Sugar maple, oh, that was, I totally blew that joke. Sugar maple. Thanks. Maybe if the log was like dipped in honey or something like that. You know, what, why, why is this going to make the water, and there's probably, there's probably wood floating in the water, right? Have you ever been to like a body of water? 
Like there's like wood floating in it. There's pieces of trees and stuff. And God's like, no, 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 take this piece of wood and throw it in the water. Can you imagine what Moses had to be feeling like? People are like, come on, Moses, make it better. And Moses is like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, he's got me thinking like, are you serious? I don't know. He told me, so I'm doing it. How many know sometimes what God asks you to do will not make sense in the natural? How many know we're going to get ready to pray at the end of this service and we ask you to come forward and believe that God will actually use somebody else to pray for you? It doesn't make sense in the natural. But God will ask you to stop trusting yourself and begin trusting him because he wants to be your provision. And he wants to be your answer. And he wants to come through for you. And he will if you're just faithful and obedient enough to trust him. And so check this out. Verse 26 he threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. Now, the NIV is not very accurate here in this uh, verse. Fit, in the Hebrew, is the word mathok, and it means sweet. So it's not that, it's not only that the water was okay to drink, now it was sweet to drink. So salt water became sweet water. Bitter water became LaCroix. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Pamplemousse LaCroix, a very, very good version. I don't know if you've tried it. It's my go-to. It's amazing. What was bitter became sweet, and God brought about a miracle. I want to encourage you today. Some of you are in a bitter situation, and God wants to take that bitter situation, and he wants to make it sweet. You're facing some bitterness. You're drinking some bitterness. And God wants to take what you're drinking in, and he wants to change it, and he wants it to be sweet, and he can. Because that's who he is. That's what he does. And then how? Because he is the Lord that heals. Look, the Lord issued a ruling, an instruction for them, and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. Pause, put a pin in that for a second. What he's saying is, hey, you saw all of that terrible stuff I brought on the Egyptians, and I know some of you are afraid of me. Some of you are afraid that I'm going to do that to you, but I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to punish you. He says, I'm not going to do that, for I am the Lord who heals you. And then... They came to Elam where there were 12 springs, lots of fresh water, and 70 palm trees. Come on, you had me at 70 palm trees. <laughs> and they camped near the water. They rested. They camped out. They made their place. I think for a lot of us, we're, we're in between. We're in between bondage and Elam. And, and God is taking us, he's taking us to places where he is testing us. He wants, he wants us to trust him. He wants to be our supply. And if we'll look to him, he can take the bitter situations that we are facing and make them sweet. I want to give you three uh, ideas about healing. And then, and then we're going to pray for people. And we're going to believe that God is actually going to heal people today because it is who he is and it's what he does. Number one, unhealed brokenness can lead to bitterness. 
Unhealed brokenness can lead to bitterness. But God wants to heal our brokenness. It's his desire. And how he does it is through Jesus. Jesus died to heal our brokenness. Very basic. It's the gospel. It's right here in Exodus, and it's powerful, and it will change our lives. So we're going to unpack this. Before we do, I want you to turn to 16 people next to you and just say, hey, he can take your bitter situation and make it sweet. Come on, find 16 people. He can take your bitter situation and make it sweet. First thing I think that's really important here is that unhealed brokenness can lead to bitterness. There's two examples of brokenness I think that, that, that apply in this situation. The first is spiritual brokenness. I think that's the bigger issue here. I think God, I think God is trying to expose what is really in the Israelites' heart. They've been, they've been taken out of Egypt, but they're still bound. They, they've been set free, but they're not living in freedom. They're not living in the relationship with him. They're spiritually broken. Let me just ask you this. Think about it. Was it the bitter water that made them complain? No. It was their bitter hearts. Right? Because who wasn't complaining? Moses. Moses wasn't complaining. Do you think Moses was thirsty? I'm sure he was. But he wasn't complaining. Why? Because he knew that God was with them and God was helping them. He had clearly shown them that. His confidence was in God. Where were the Israelites putting their focus? In themselves, in the natural. When you look to the natural to provide for the thirst that you have inside of you, you will always be disappointed and you will always be thirsty. I think this is such a visual picture in this scripture. They're looking for water and it's bitter. You ever tasted bitter water by looking to the things of this world? You ever gone to a well that you thought was going to satisfy you only to be disappointed? Have you all run head first, jumped in, and then been like, actually, this is terrible? Sin. Do you see the picture of sin here? Do you see the picture of brokenness? That's what, that's what God's trying to teach us. He's trying to teach us, man, when you run after yourself, when you run after the things of this world, when you're looking to lust, to greed, uh, to selfishness, to, to, to lying, to gossip, to slander, when you're looking to your own thought patterns to be the provision for you, you are going to have a bitter cup to drink. You're looking to satisfy your soul with salt water, and it will never satisfy but but how many know Jesus says that he is the living water? And see, I think there's a picture here that, that God takes them to Elam. He takes them to 12, uh, 12 springs with 70 palms. And it's this beautiful place of I'm going to be your provision. And I'm going to bring you out. And it's going to be a place of rest. But you've got to trust me. See, we all start broken. And here's the thing. Our spiritual brokenness is the most important brokenness that we're trying to get healed. So we can, we're going to pray for people to be healed, and, and we're going to believe that God is going to heal your body. But let me just tell you this, that's, the, that's so not important compared to your soul. 
Because God can heal your body, but if your soul is still broken, it don't matter. You still stand before God distant. You still stand before God dirty. You still stand before God. You're still going to leave this place, go into the world, trying to fill your soul with something that will never fill it. But if you let God heal your brokenness, your spiritual brokenness, he will with living water. So I think, I think that's talking about this. But I also think God is clearly saying he's talking about physical brokenness. Physical brokenness. And this is important to understand. Why, as we approach healing, why do we even need healing in the first place? If God is a good God and God loves people, which I'm about to establish that point here in just a second, then, then why do we have brokenness in the first place? Why is there sickness? Why is there disease? Have you ever found yourself asking that question? Have you ever heard somebody ask you that question? Oh, yeah, well, if you believe in God, why, you know, why do kids get cancer? It's kind of like the ultimate one, right? What about this? And I just want to suggest to you that the reason we experience brokenness is not because God doesn't love us. It's actually because he does. He loves us so much. God could have created all of us as robots, right? He could have made us do whatever we want. He, there could have been a way for him to fix the brokenness problem by not allowing any of us to sin, by not allowing any of us to choose our own way, but we have all chosen our own way. Just as a testimony, come on, raise your hand if you've ever done a wrong thing in here. Come on, everybody just raise your hand. Look at it, almost everybody, and then a few liars. We've all, we've all done our own thing. And so, so here's the thing. God's holy. He's perfect. He can't, he can't abide in that, with that sin. He can't dwell with that sin. There's got to be, be something that makes up for that. There's got to be a punishment for that. Aren't you glad that there's a punishment for evil? I mean, that's just. We want justice. Man, we want justice is a good thing. It is a God thing. God is just and evil will be punished. Praise God. But then that also creates brokenness. So sin, sin brings a curse into the world. It brings a curse. And because of the curse, there is brokenness. So we all start broken. We all experience brokenness. But the good news is God wants to heal our brokenness. God wants to heal our brokenness. Our brokenness is our fault. Our brokenness is Adam and Eve's fault. But God wants to heal our brokenness. When you look throughout Jesus' ministry, one right after another, every interaction he is having, he is having compassion on the crowds that he comes in contact with. Matthew chapter 9 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And when Jesus landed in Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. You could go on and on and on and look after example after example. When Jesus sees a need, his heart is to meet it. I, I, another great example is Psalm 103. Beautiful, this is an Old Testament, but it just shows the heart of God. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Come on, somebody, that's good news. 
or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So what God wants to do is he wants to take our brokenness. He's compassionate, he's gracious, and he sees our brokenness, and he wants to take our brokenness. And in Jesus, he takes our brokenness and throws it as far as the east is from the west. It's incredible. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he remembers how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. I want to encourage you with that today. You're in a bitter situation. You're in a broken situation. You're facing something that is overwhelming to you. Maybe it is a physical pain. Maybe it's a mental psychological, emotional pain, I want you to know God sees you and as he sees you, as we talked about in this series, the God who sees. When God sees you, his heart is moved to compassion. He doesn't just say, I'm sorry, figure it out, good luck. Hope it all works out for you. That's not God's heart. He's moved with compassion. He doesn't treat us as our brokenness deserve. What does he do instead? He sends his son He sends his son. And that's the third point. Jesus died to heal our brokenness. Isaiah chapter 53. We looked at this briefly last week. But I want to show you. I want to show you how Jesus was was broken for our brokenness. Look at this. uh, Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. He did no wrong. He did no wrong. And yet he suffered pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. Be like, oh man, he's so beat up. He's so broke. I can't even look at him. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Do you see it's the same word? It's the same word as in Psalm 103, right? We don't get treated as our iniquities deserve. Why? Because he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The Lord who heals is right here. And then at the Last Supper, he takes bread and he gives thanks and he breaks it. And he said, this is my body given for you. His body was broken for our brokenness. And how did he do it? By dying on a cross. I want you to see how cool this is. What was it that Moses picked up and threw into the water? It's a piece of wood. A small log. It's a tree. What did Jesus die on? A tree. Do you know that a giant log was thrown into your bitterness so that your situation could be made sweet? He was broken to heal you. He was crushed to set you free. He brings online the year of the Lord's favor. So we're going to pray for people. A couple thoughts to think about as we get ready to pray when it comes to healing. There's lots of questions, but number, I want to encourage you with this. Number one, 
Faith is a factor. Faith is a factor. Faith is, faith is elemental in receiving anything from the Lord. It's elemental in receiving anything from God. Hebrews chapter 11 says, he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you, if you come to God, you've got to have faith. You've got to believe. And there is a correlation between the miracles, miracles of Jesus and faith. As they had faith, God did a miracle. Sometimes God can just do it if he wants to, but if you need a miracle from God, you have to have faith. You have to approach him saying, God, I believe that you are good and that you do good. I believe that you care for me and that you want to come through for me. You've got to start there. You've got to start with faith. In fact, when Jesus went back to his hometown to minister, they were like, who's this guy? We know him. He's a carpenter's son. And look, he's doing miracles. I, I don't buy it. And then look at this. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So faith is a factor. It's a pretty big factor in receiving from the Lord. So as we get ready to pray, it's going to take you faith to get out of your seat and come down to the front. It's going to take you faith to say like, really, someone's going to like say a few words and like God's going to do something? Yeah. It's almost like taking a, a stick and throwing it into water. You just do it because you trust. If God says it, you do it. This is the essence of following God. You can, you, can, you can find all of, you can rationalize it. You can find all the reasons why this isn't gonna happen or why this doesn't make sense. Or you could just trust him. Say, God, you're a God who heals and I'm gonna trust you. So faith is a factor. Number two, God's timing isn't necessarily our timing, but his timing is always perfect. His timing isn't always our timing, but his timing is always perfect. So God lives outside of time and space. So sometimes, sometimes you might be struggling with something for a, a, a measure of time and you've prayed and it hasn't answered yet, but God, he doesn't live in our time. He lives outside of our time. So his timing is perfect. Can I get an amen? Third, God always has the best plan. So the apostle Paul has this thorn in his flesh this thorn in his side that is, that is bothering him. And this is the Apostle Paul who is healing a bunch of people. And he's like, God, if you just take this away, I'd be like so much more effective for you. Like surely this is a good thing. And 2 Corinthians details the story. It says, three times I plead with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's like, I'm gonna do something through your weakness that you could not do through your strength. Sometimes, Sometimes God allows us to go through something because he's like, I could take that away, but you have to trust me, you're better with it. Because if, you, if, if everything was too good for you, maybe you would say, I don't need God. We don't know what his plan is, but his plan is always the best plan. His plan is always the best plan. And then the last thing is this, ultimate healing will come one day. You can pray for something over and over and over again. And if you don't experience a healing, I want you to know this, ultimate healing will come one day. We will be in the presence of our God and King for all of eternity if you are in relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible, yeah, well, that's worthy of a, a clap. 
And the Bible says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So if it doesn't happen now, it will happen for eternity. So what's our job? Our job is to come forward in faith and believe him for a miracle. Our job is to ask and keep asking. Our job is to seek and keep seeking, to knock and keep knocking and just believe that God will do what he says he will do, that he will honor who he is. He is a God who heals. He's a God who heals. Our job is to do what James chapter 5 says. If any among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. It's like oil? What? It's like a log. You just do it. You just trust God. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. God wants to do something. And, and I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down to the front. I want to read, I want to read a testimony for someone in our church. You know, we did a miracle series earlier this year where we went into great detail on these things and we began praying and believing God to do miracles for people and God started doing it. God started doing miracles. It's absolutely amazing. It's cool. We, you pray, you believe, you start stepping out and God does it. And one of those miracles was for someone in our church named Ashley. She had been struggling for years with a debilitating leg injury that they could not figure out what the cause was. And they, they went to doctor after doctor after doctor. And, and uh, I shared this a week into our series because it was like this miracle was a week old. But as I, as, I, uh, as I learned afterwards that they had tried so many different things. They'd spent a lot of money trying to, trying to rectify a situation. And here's this, this young girl, loves playing tennis, couldn't play tennis for years. And she came forward and God healed her. And this is, this is her story. She said, I had this pain in my foot for about a year and a half and it's, it's hurt to almost do anything, including walk. And I'd pray for healing, but it wasn't getting any better. So I became really frustrated. And I started giving up on believing for a miracle. When we started the miracle series, it gave me hope, new hope for a miracle. I went down to the front and would pray about my, my foot after service every time. And after Nathan talked about how barriers our preparation for your miracle, I knew that everything in the past year and a half had been a barrier and all I needed to do was to push through it. And I prayed and I declared in Jesus' name that I would have a breakthrough. The next day I went on a walk and the pain in my foot was completely gone. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. It's amazing. So, so this has been months ago now, right? Like months ago that this, so I was like checking in, is this, we're still pain-free. And yes, still completely pain-free, playing tennis, almost. In fact, she said that she goes, yeah, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> what was so debilitating and so consuming, God literally completely took away. And here's the thing. It was because of simple faith to trust God to get out of the aisle and come forward and experience what God can do. I don't know, God, what could you do? I'm just gonna trust you. 
let me just say this. I've been thinking about this. How many miracles, how many miracles go unanswered, whether it be a mental, emotional, spiritual situation, a physical situation, a relational situation? How many miracles go unanswered because we're not willing to take the step of faith? Can God answer you in your seat? Yeah, he can. He can. But he says, come forward. He says, come forward. He says, take a log and throw it into water, and that's going to make things better. Is it the log? It's the obedience that's rooted in faith. Saying, God, I'm going to trust you. And so I want to challenge you to come forward and believe God to do something amazing in your life. Come forward. If you have a physical situation, just come down these aisles. We're going to make a line. If there's a long line, don't worry about it. We're going to pray. You know, I talk, here's what's interesting. I talked to somebody after first service. I was like, hey, how you doing? Man, I'm not good. He's like, what's going on? Everything. And I was like, oh, well, what, like what? He's like, everything. I'm like, well, like what? He goes, I don't feel good. I don't, you know, my, I, I'm, I got pain. I got, you know, I got issues. I got, it seems like everything. I was like, did you go down for, for prayer? No. I'm like, why? So I prayed for him. So I prayed for him. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't, don't. Just let's believe God. I'm praying for about a million of these testimonies. Like a million today. Let's believe. Let's believe. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And he wants to heal you. And he can heal you. And we trust him if, if he doesn't heal us today. But we keep believing. We keep praying. And we're going to see God do amazing things. Amen. Can we just take a moment? Can we lift our hands all across this place? Let's just pray for this time. Father, we just thank you that, God, you are amazing. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. And, God, you lead us to places of nourishment and refreshment. God, you take our bitter situations and you make them not just fit to drink, but you make them sweet. And, God, that is amazing. And, God, we are, we are so thankful for this reality that, God, you do heal. You are good and you do good and you want to be so good to us. And so, Lord, we just ask for that. Just pray that you would have your way today, people's hearts and lives. I pray that, God, you would give people boldness to come forward to believe. And, God, I pray for just the prayer team as they get ready to pray. I pray that you would anoint them and give them grace. Lord, we know that it's not us, it's you. We're just, we're just following your word and saying we trust you. And so, God, we just ask you to have your way. Do what you can do. Do what only you can do. And do what you do best. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a need, mental, emotional, spiritual, just come down to the front. And we're going to try to just get everybody taken care of, relational. Just come down. We're going to believe God to do something powerful. The rest of us, let's just take some time. Let's just worship Jesus.